Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to another esports moment. I'm Seamus Byrne, and this week I have a big ticket interview for you. I recently made a quick pit stop in London to sneak in a visit to Fnatic HQ, one of the long term team brands in the esports scene. Fnatic was founded by Australian Sam Matthews and his mother Anne, so I wanted to get a better sense of his story, of the team, and of its journey. Sam's a busy man, so thankfully diaries were able to align and we had a great half-hour chat about everything from selling the car to finance the team in the earliest days through to what the future holds. Here it is, my moment with Sam Matthews, co-founder and chairman of Fnatic. Right back at the beginning, I'm curious how you pitched your mother, Anne, on founding an esports team, how much of a pitch did you actually work up to convince her and how much convincing did it take to kind of make that first commitment? It's, it's funny because it really wasn't uh, a pitching type scenario. It was more like, what did you just do with your car? <laughs> <laughs> so honestly, it was, you know, when we first sort of kicked it off, I, I was like, oh, I'm doing this thing, mom. Yeah, I'm, you know sending my team to America and they won and they did this and it was kind of not really asking permission but asking forgiveness if you know what I mean <laughs> yeah uh and uh she she followed up with uh well if you're going to do this I want to help you I want to support you uh and you know if you want to have more money to be able to make this a real business I can do the finances and you can unlock 20k of uh, inheritance which I'd gotten from my uncle and and she sort of put the same in. And also like, yeah, Fnatic was started with 40K in, uh, well, apart from the car after you know, the, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the initial, the initial six months was just a car. And then after that was like a bit more funds from my mom and I. And, and that was the first 12 years running off, running off this initial uh, money. That's a pretty cool response Yeah. instead of what the hell it did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, my mom, I, I guess... She was all, she's also like a bit of an entrepreneur. She's always wanted to be involved in a business. Uh, so it was a bit of excitement for her as well. And, you know, it was, it, I, I guess it wasn't such a big amount of money. It ended up being a much bigger amount of her time. <laughs> yeah. So she did a lot of her time in, in, into the company. So, you know, for, for her, it was like a, a slow build and then she got really into it. 
Cool. Um, what was like the runway theory back then? Or again, you know, did you even have one? Yeah. Um, yeah. How long were you thinking you'd give it to get going? And yeah, was there a moment when it suddenly felt like, oh, wait, yeah, this is going to work? Uh, to be honest, like it, it was always a slog every year uh, for the first like 10 years, really. Like yeah. it, it got easier, I guess, after, you know, there was a couple of years where it was kind of good start. And then 2007, 2008, it was like in between that. And that became a tough time to get any money out of sponsors and marketing dollars. Yeah. Um, so it was very much like, how much can we make from all scrappy means as possible? Uh, and then, you know, coming in 2009, 2010, 11, got easier to the point where we, uh, we became profitable. So, um, you know, we were very much organically growing for many years, but it was always like trying to there's always been these exuberant esports entrepreneurs who come into the space and they want to offer like too much money and you, you they a lot of a lot of promises and not much stuff to back it up luckily that's kind of dropped out of the wayside now and it's very much more professional but we always stuck to the guns and you know if people were offering loads of money back then we were like look we don't believe that's real you can take it so sometimes we lost people but they'd always come back when they realized that we were stable and we we delivered on them promises yeah cool and i've i've talk to a few kind of outside companies who you know there's always like a champion inside the company who wants to take that jump into esports but then they often have to you know convince other people up the chain that it was worth the effort so it, yeah there's always seems like there's a bit of a push pull there on uh you know how quickly do people see a return versus how well they kind of just try to make that safe first commitment things like that yeah i think things have shifted somewhat like it's really uh, understood now that games are big industry and esports is becoming a very big part of gaming because ultimately you've got games like league of legends like fortnite to some extent which are driving such high revenues for such long periods of time and that's partly driven because they're esports games they're competitive free to play whereas when it was like you know we build a bot we create a box game sell it once here's the narrative then we work for three more years. We sell it again. It actually was a lot of effort to come up with all of that narrative. Whereas now at esports, it's like let's just make a game that's balanced. It's got some narrative. It's competitive. It's fun, uh, and they can continue to play for years and years. So it, now esports is generally um, regarded as real business, and brand, brands are seeing the size of the audience. Uh, and they're really sp spending and putting their money where their mouth is. Yeah. And so then at what point did the concept kind of broaden out for you with Fnatic to suddenly realize, wait, we're not just kind of building a team here. We're building like a lifestyle and entertainment brand. You know, when did that, you realize this all fits together really well? I mean, design is something that I've been passionate about all my life. Like I think in esports, uh, when we started, we've always been, you know, from the naming choice to uh, the colorway we've always been thinking about what does the shirt look like what do we, what do we think of ourselves and it's evolved you know consistently so we were the first to launch our own apparel line we were the first to launch really pro kit uh you know in the west there wasn't a big pro kit world in in in, in 2007 you know people had some shirts with logos on it but um, and then from there, we built a range. And for us, our, our mission to, to really represent esports has been there since day one. You know, when, when we look at back to my original document, my business plan from 
uh, when I was 19, it was like to turn youthful enthusiasm and entrepreneurial spirit into a, a, a thriving business that represents esports in the new world sport. Yeah. Uh, and it's always been like representing esports and helping to drive it into the mainstream. And one team, we're in 10 games, right? That's so different to traditional sports. So we do represent the whole movement, not just one game or one one team. Yeah. And look, yeah, uh, just recently I was talking to Eric Anderson from FaZe Clan and, you know, he has a background in the music industry and it was kind of interesting talking to him about how much of that sort of background really does apply straight into esports. So, you know, I'm curious, have you brought in or worked with kind of wider entertainment industry type experts to develop kind of strategies or anything here at Fnatic? We're bringing in all sorts of skill sets. Like we've got investors who own the biggest telecom in India, We've got um, one of our investors and, and, and is on the board now is uh, a guy who was the CEO and founder of the Mercedes Formula One team um, with the most recent incarnation of that, Nick Fry. So he's actually like an entrepreneur in the sports world. Um, we've got you know, investors from from other parts of the world, from tech, tech world as well. Uh, and also the owners of, 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 of AS Roma in the Boston Celtics. So we do generally have um, a good mix of people and we're constantly looking for strategic partners to work with and, and we'll be bringing in more of these kind of lifestyle, fashion and music stuff, which I, which we love. Yeah. And look, it's a good point about investors, isn't it? That it's not just about the money. It is about their expertise and what they bring to the table. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for us, it's like... I. I I want them to be almost like mentors. So it's like, you know about sport, help us. You know about TV and content, help us. You know about apparel and merch. You know, we want to be really top, top in the class as it were in all of those categories. And really for us, it's, it's, it's about never resting on our laurels and always trying to like look for the ways to innovate and continue to grow our business. Awesome. Um, how do you maintain brand clarity when you're kind of, whether it's adding new teams or new talent or, you know, changing rosters and things. Curious if, you know, aside from things like codes of conduct type stuff, you know, are there other aspects where you work with teams in terms of, you know, what it means to be a face of Fnatic Esports? Yeah, so I think a lot of that is biosmosis right now where it's like you, you're coming into the company, you've seen all of the legacy that we stand for, that 15 years of history, that success on the podium, but also how we operate from demeanor like our team's always confident they're always but there's you know respectful to you know not in every case ever but there's a high level of respect but they also uh, they have that kind of level of bravado and and style that that we think is what you know something that we're proud of and and, and the way they they portray themselves as important going forward we're definitely conscious about how we really take that you know we've gone from being like a few teams and 10 employees to now having 10 teams and over 85 employees so we you know if we want to go to a 500 1000 employees and maybe not scale the teams as much but grow the business we need to have that real manifesto which is something we're we're working on right now and and, and definitely is a, a way that we're going to hope to solidify and clarify what it is that fanatic stands for which is the future of entertainment and sport mm. and you know, are there kind of subtle or big differences between, you know, again, you know, there is no, that's not one esport, there's many esports. Um, yeah, depending on the uh, the game, are there kind of differences in the way those kind of personalities play out? Totally. I mean, you've got 
every game has a, a, its own culture, its own meta. Counter-Strike is actually, I would say, it's like the NFL of, of esports. It's very much like a kind of bros and like the attitude, which is like a bit more um, frat boy, I guess, in some ways. And then you've got League of Legends, which is you know, totally more colorful and cosplay and um, maybe a little bit more in the, in the, in the Comic-Con vibes and... and uh, and then you've got other games, I think, which are, are are rising, like Fortnite, which is totally mainstream, even to some extent, like music related, EDM, hip hop. So it's kind of coming out of the the maybe even the fashion and music world, which I think is the cool crossover which Fortnite is doing, and 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 we like to ride on all of those person personas, you know? Yeah, yeah. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Um, I've also seen you guys have tested like lots of different ideas in brand associations and partnerships. You know, uh, earlier in the year, I wrote about your you know, recent partnering with Wax on like a blockchain giveaway concept uh, at a fan event. And you've explored VR hangouts around League Worlds, all these kinds of cool things. How do you pick what to play with next? And how do you measure if things are kind of you know, working when you do play with ideas? Well, all of these things, you know, it sounds like we're an old company when you look at the, the age, but actually... You know, really, we sort of went into startup mode properly like three years ago when we really started to work on our hardware line and, and when we started to really scale up the business into the you know, global brand. Um, and one of those things is we always want to be thinking about the future and innovating. And for us, the, there's three things that we look at when we make these types of decisions from a technology point of view is one, like what's the coolest thing that we could do for our fans? What could we really get them more engaged, get them involved. That's that. And that, that's like, you know, what it's like to be a, always fanatic effectively. It's, then there's the people who we are trying to reach for the first time, or maybe engage in a, in a more meaningful way, which actually bring them into more of a fandom. So that's where we start to do experiments, which I think are more like things that like we did a surf map and counter-strike, which was super cool design. We did collaborations with skin designers to create shoes, which were like Nike hand painted. We've done like virtual world stuff where we're using second life, second world creator Sansa to create the meta bunker, which is like a hangout space, like reminiscent of Ready Player One. And all of those things are trying to like show that we're thinking about what's next and also just they're cool and they're fun. And that's, we're going to continue to do experiments like that and, and, hopefully uh, do even crazier stuff in the future. Yeah, and like in that wider sense, I guess, you know, um, what do you feel like the big markers are whether you keep pursuing a new idea? You know, are you kind of using database KPIs or is it like fan sentiments or just pure instinct that you've now developed over you know, more than a decade? I think the biggest thing that happens from doing these experiments, like the surf map, aim game, the, those types of things, is you start to recognize that like what, is possible and then that might come into a later version of something else like so maybe eventually we'll tie in some twitch twitch extensions and we'll loop in like the sansar and virtual world stuff 
but it's not always clear you know we're not putting tons of money into each of these experiments it's like let's try it out let's do something fun and, and, and creative and then maybe eventually down the line it does end up being something which we can tie into a, a business model but it's not a prerequisite it's more just like this is this is innov- this is something which we believe in yeah um, yeah, when you walk into meetings with non-endemic companies to di- you know discuss getting involved with the team or an event or whatever, um, how has that conversation changed over the past decade? Uh, you know, like or in particular, what's changed and what's the same about those conversations? <laughs> Look, it's no longer what is esports. That's the number one thing. It's it used to be. Oh yeah, there's people that play video games competitively, yeah. and people understand it now. And they get money. Uh, yeah, exactly. The typical like age old did that for 10 year explanation uh, and people were still blown away and don't believe it. But I think things like Fortnite have shifted people's complete understanding of this and generally seeing a seven year old watching games and he's never played them, you know, like because it's more entertaining and more engaging. Um, so when we walk in with brands, it's it's really just like a kind of what is it that Fnatic stands for? What what value can we provide to them and what value do we want to do t- together? And so like when we try and work with people now, it's people like OnePlus, which is the phone company. They're a big challenger brand. They've come out of, of, of the last four years and have grown significantly and they have such a huge following. And for us, that's like the perfect brand. It's like when Nike and Apple collab, they create like Nike um, watch and there's like a sports version and I think that's a similar thing that we want to have in our partnerships where it's like it's a deep partnership where there's a crossover like they're creating an amazing device which is also an esports playing field and we're creating and representing the esports movement um, and so that, that there's a huge synergy and that's the type of partnership that we want to continue to develop and and why we're working like closer with AMD you know we work well, well with Monster Energy and and looking for deeper and meaningful partnerships like that all the time. Uh, I'd also love to kind of get your thoughts, right, on geolocation type stuff. I think you guys are a great example of being, you know, aiming for that true global brand type standing. Um, And obviously we've got leagues like Overwatch trying to kind of build these city affinities and things like that. Um, I think, I feel like in most sports, there's a little bit of that regionality attached of just like, oh, that team's kind of, it might be a European or an American or, you know, like some national elements to what they identify with but you know curious um you know on your thoughts on where you sit with all of that sort of movement around the idea of of associations with regions or not yeah so i think that it is definitely something which is happening and you cannot hide from that like and i think there are merits to it we view it as, as as the fact that we are a global brand and we will have local teams in local areas uh, and obviously there will be restrictions around that so in league of legends our team is based in berlin it's very much a european brand but it's also global like we've had korean players in the past and we don't you know we're not opposed to having future nationalities that's not from europe that's that is our international powerhouse team and it just happens to be based in berlin and that's the training facility um, but we have the UK League of Legends team, which is the academy. And that's kind of, okay, now we're going to be a UK team. That makes sense. Um, we have a Southeast Asian Dota team, which is based in Kuala Lumpur. That's you know, the best Southeast Asian Dota team. Play, team. Um, and that's kind of how we personally view um, localization per game. Uh, but uh, do understand that there are some teams which maybe 
want to own that demographic as their niche. I don't think there's a possibility that there's going to be a hundred global brands. I think there's going to be like three or four or five, you know, that are really truly global. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like esports needs traditional uh, mainstream exposure, or are there positives to getting some of that? Or in the end, do you feel like you know traditional mainstream like broadcast TV TV is going to actually come knocking because they'll one day realize they need esports? Honestly, I think it comes down to value add. Um, so if it's an easier proposition to watch a Counter Strike major from your TV set that's already plumbed into the to the to the linear TV, and people have demand for it, then it just makes sense. Um, if it's for the millennials that don't have a TV and they're on their mobiles, there's no reason why they need to buy rights. But the the truth is that like I don't see terrestrial tv sitting on your couch like going away super quickly um obviously things like chromecast and apple play and all those sort of things make it like easier and easier for you to stream from the internet but i I can imagine that like there's always a world for 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 them and so i definitely think media rights is becoming a bigger and bigger thing in esports for sure yeah like i watch yeah a lot of twitch on tv just because i found the right app to do it yeah this is great i'll just kick back and totally (laughs) i mean i'm the same i've got it plumbed into my ceiling with like speakers so it's like you know when we lose it's really heartfelt (laughs) (laughs) vibrates me yeah exactly (laughs) um what do you feel like the big challenges are for Fnatic over the next uh, year or two you know and what do you think is going to drive ongoing success yeah i think obviously whatever happens existentially around the markets is uh you know it's is always going to be something that we can't really be concerned with I think that's just so I think that there's potential um, swings from um, various like whatever happens in the economy. But actually, do I believe in the fundamental of esports that I think? Yes. Um, I think for us, it's like just the simple thing of, you know, we're growing and investing into our business and doing loads of cool and fun stuff, but we just need to, realize what's going to really add value and over time um get back to being as profitable as possible whereas now it's more about land grab and making sure we're as uh, you know really truly representative globally um and yeah making sure we remain top three because it's always competitive uh what excites you most about the future of esports and running a company like Fnatic? oh my god so much it's it's honestly like every single day there's new possibilities open up and you know, the thing about esports is it's it is actually so amazing because it's connected to a computer, right? So it's really your imagination is the limit. Um, you start thinking about what the viewing experience is going to be like when you can view your favorite game in a VR stadium with loads of avatars of your mates or millions of people in an actual virtual world. You could have you know, the the tie-ins with how like you can actually select the way you view the games because it's all computer generated. So you can like if I want to be inside of the game and actually zoom out, I should be able to control my viewing experience completely. And really the big change between esports and traditional sports is the interactivity of viewing experience where you have chat, where you have, you know, you get on with your mates and the doubling down of that is going to make this even more exciting. Uh, and then obviously the games are continuing to get better and interesting. And um, so I, I think there's going to be 
advances in the stadium experience where it's an esports stadium there's going to be advances in the games the vr so yeah there's i i'm very excited every morning (laughs) awesome okay last question when you think back to where it all started what advice would you give that sam matthews about how to make this journey a little easier next time Ooh, that's a tough one uh i mean the thing is is that like we're already trying to bite off a lot of things in the in the world of esports so you know i guess my ambitious self would be like hey you thought about streaming back then. You should have bought a streaming provider. Uh, but mo- mostly, like, go and I, talk I, to Justin. Yeah, exactly. To... Yeah, like we should have done. Uh, we should have bought own 3D in the time, been a competitor to, to to Twitch. But no, I I I definitely think that um, there is obviously small improvements along the way. You can always say that, but there's nothing that I regret. I think Fnatic has had a, a great history, and you know, it's been had people who with great hearts running it, and you know, we're continuing to build on that. And I don't really have anything that would, I would, would drastically change. I'm sure there's a lot of smaller things. Sports Moment is produced by Seamus Byrne at the Biteside Podcast Network. You can find stories related to most episodes at goat.com.au and find more shows at biteside.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.